0: Welcome to the very first episode of the Lunar Zebra podcast.
1: Every month we will be releasing episodes for you, the space enthusiast, robotics lover, engineering
0: fan, or simply the curious mind. In this podcast we dive into the story of our strange tiny six-legged rover called Zebro. We will be walking you through the tale of its conception all the way to its launch to the moon, which will hopefully happen in a few years.
1: We will approach this each time with unusual angles. For this episode, for example, here's a question to you. What does a zoo, a classroom full of kids, and a small, curious schoolgirl have in common with our zebra? Well listen along as we start with the birth of our lunar zebra.
2: We choose to go to the moon. Bye. When it is launched and it works. Or the world will be different.
3: Something that I work on could actually be on the moon one day. And I'm still a student.
0: So this will be the story about our cute little robot that will go to the moon. But where do we start?
1: Uh, I think we can start from the very beginning and just introduce ourselves. So I'm Marnix from the media team. Uh, At Lunar Zebra.
0: And I'm Cornel, also from the media team at the Lunar Zebra Project here in Delft uh, at Technical University. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and I think we should start this episode with uh, Christopher Hoover. He will be the main character in this episode and you will be also hearing about him in following episodes. But so Christopher Hoover is a associate professor at the microelectronics department um, at the TU Delft.
2: No, yeah, well, uh, we are talking English, and uh, in English I would be an associate professor.
1: That's uh, Christopher Uh
2: But uh, in, in the Netherlands you couldn't, wouldn't call me professor, but hoofdocent. But I'm uh, not a uh, full professor uh, uh, anyway, and also by intention. I don't want to be one. So, uh, yeah, basically I'm an engineer. So an engineer
0: by heart, above everything else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we had this long discussion with him about... Yeah,
0: it went on for a few hours. It was an interesting talk. Exactly, about many, many different things. And
1: uh, we will be placing some uh, pieces of uh, this conversation throughout the next episodes as well, because he talked about very interesting things. One of the noticeable things, at least to me, was that he was really convinced that engineers would change the world.
2: Yeah, engineers change the world. Yeah, yeah I, have, I even made an, uh, an, an, an e- equation, uh, the engineering equation. The IR equation. Uh, I can show it to you. But you can write a differential equation that tells you that engineers change the world.
0: The engineering equation.
1: Yeah, which basically says that
2: the more engineers you have,
1: the faster the world will change. Over time. Over time, exactly. Yeah. So really an engineer at heart.
0: And passionate about his own field, but also for space. He has a real admiration.
1: Yeah, during during the conversation we had, you could really see his face kind of brighten up when he talked about his history with space and, and the Apollo landings, which he assisted to.
2: Uh, it's like a, like a boy's dream. Uh, when I was young, I was looking at Thunderbirds rockets. I'm from the generation that has seen uh, the Apollo landing and so on. So, so th- th- that was a wonderful world that I entered uh, in.
1: And he was also um, one of the um, most important professors, let's say, creating the Delphi C3
0: satellite, you know, the...
1: The
2: microsatellite of the two Delft That, by the way, yesterday had its birthday. It uh, was uh, 30 years old and it's still alive. So still a functional uh, functional satellite in, in in space.
1: 13 years, that's quite a lot for a tiny CubeSat. So he will be the main protagonist, let's say, of this story, but let's... Um, Instead of talking about Chris, because this podcast is about the Lunar Zebra, let's actually describe what the Lunar Zebra is. Yeah, that's uh, uh, important. So Lunar Zebra is a student team at the TU Delft. It's a faculty project of the TU Delft, but also students from, for example, in Holland school are joining. Right now, we are more than 60 students, I believe, in total.
0: All different disciplines and nationalities, which make an interesting diversity.
1: Exactly. Uh, And we are building this very small rover, which we hope to send it to the moon uh, in a couple of years, maybe three years or...
0: uh, We don't know exactly yet when, but...
1: For sure, one day. Yeah. But so this rover has been around in the university already since 2010, 2013, that era. Uh, But the lunar Zebra actually started in 2017. Yes. So not so long ago.
0: So before it was just a Zebra, which is in Dutch the... This been a rover, six-legged uh, rover, and the Lunar Zebra is uh, came about when we actually thought of putting up a mission to the moon. Uh, so the rover has six legs.
1: Yeah, but le- let's let's look at it in a big way. Uh, this is Gillian Odeber She's our chief engineer at Lunar Zebra.
3: The big picture is that the Lunar Zebra is a small rover, <laughs> I would say.
1: <laughs> yeah, so very small. Uh, rover. How how small? Maybe you've heard it in the trailer episode. It's basically the size of an A4 sheet, which is not much taller than your index finger, I guess.
3: The Lunar Zebro is basically just a six-legged rover, and that's what makes it special from other rovers, I would say.
1: Yeah, these six legs, it's not just legs, but they're C-shaped legs, which allow it basically to climb on obstacles higher than what you would be able to climb on when you use wheels, for example. So that's really... When you see our Zebra, I recommend you to Google it because then you really see how strange it looks. That's the first thing you notice. But this design did not come from the TU Delft.
3: The leg concept comes from another project, the REX project from the States. Um, And that was brought over to TU Delft, I think back in 2013.
1: So yes, it's a um, small kind of A4-sized box with six uh, C-shaped legs. Also, in terms of mass, it's only two and a half kilograms, which is extremely light for a a rover which will go to the moon. We actually hope to be the smallest and the lightest rover on the moon.
0: So far. And it has a very peculiar walk with those six legs.
1: Yeah, indeed, a very peculiar uh, walk, which resembles that of a uh, living creature. And I think this is a good point to move on to the zoo, which was mentioned in the very beginning of the episode, because Chris loves to go to the zoo.
0: Right, inspiration by nature.
1: Yeah, yeah. So to paint the picture, we are in kind of early 2010s, uh, and given we are in the Netherlands, I guess the weather wasn't so nice. So that might have been one of the reasons why Chris was inside looking at the insects. but. Um, it's probably not the only reason, because he's actually passionate as well about insects, in particular about beetles. He even um, breeds
0: breeds them at home. Yeah.
2: Uh, the, the, my favorite beetle, I'm breeding them, is, uh, is the, 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 the pagnoda, uh, in, in Dutch called rozenkever. Uh, uh, if you want to breed them, it's very easy. You just go to an, uh, to an animal uh, shop and you buy uh, lizard food. They're called dolas, they are the larvae of them. You just uh, put them in, 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 in a little terrarium with, with a banana or a mango or something like that and uh, after three months you have beetles.
1: Okay, so um, Chris
2: is at the zoo looking at the beetles uh, and then this happens. And I was uh, watching those beetles and, uh, and at some point I, I thought I'm, I'm looking at my zebra when I saw that. And if you see how the beetle is going around in its silly way, especially that beetle, eh? because don't, don't look at the cockroach, because I, I wouldn't know how to build a robot cockroach. But so, so that's how I made the, made the connection.
1: Did you hear that? That was kind of an apple falling on its head, so to speak. Really a eureka moment for him. This is the moment when he
0: compares the little rover with an insect.
2: Yeah. And if you see the movie that we have uh, with, with the zebra, uh, say, uh, at, at, at Hawaii. The
1: movie in a way—that's one of the
2: analog missions that we did. Exactly. Yeah, the rover
0: hasn't been on the moon, but it's been on many moon-like environments on the planet. But we'll talk
2: about that in the next episode. What you see there is an electric beetle just being uh, hanging around there, not specially going somewhere. It's just sniffing around, and maybe it finds something, maybe it doesn't. And it's typical for also for a swarm robot.
1: Swarm robot—the word also has fallen—but that's for a next for next episode. So, what do we have so far? We have a box, a 4 size box, height of an index finger, six C-shaped legs, two and a half kilograms.
0: And a mission to the moon.
1: In the form of a beetle, basically. (laughs) Yeah. But so, Cornel, if you would describe, if you would give one adjective to the uh, design of the Lunar Zebra, what would it be?
0: I would say cheerful, I think. I think it looks like a cheerful sandwich box. Especially with the, when the, like always three legs are on the ground and three legs are shifted upwards and those upward legs look very contented and happy. So <laughs> let's say a cheerful sandwich box.
1: A cheerful sandwich box, okay.
0: <laughs> Everyone has his own. Uh, yeah, yeah. And how would you describe it?
1: Ooh, uh, the first time I saw it, I thought, what a strange design, but very interesting design. Yeah. But but I do agree with cheerful sandwich (laughs) part. I I like it, but our... um, Chief engineer. Yeah, our chief engineer has a different adjective she uses.
3: Some other team members don't agree, but I would describe it as cute, especially (laughs) because of the two eyes or the cameras on the front that look like two eyes.
0: Those cameras, we haven't talked about it, that's like a technical feature of the rover. They're very interesting because they're an in-house built uh, camera system called SHRIMP, small, high-resolution, independent, modular photographer. And the camera also actually has a a mass of less than 3 grams. It's there to uh, detect obstacles at 2 meters distance maximum. And then it can take any necessary uh, actions according to what it sees.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. So it's thanks to these cameras that uh, some people would describe it as cute, I guess. Yeah. Something we didn't mention yet so far is that on top of the zebra...
3: You have the solar panel, which can be deployed from 0 to 90 degrees, depending on what's best for where we are on the moon.
0: And that is what uh, we would say is the source of food for the beetle, to stay alive, keep walking.
1: Exactly, yeah. I think I like this expression, source of food, because it will be relevant in... uh, in the second eureka moment uh, that Chris had yeah yeah so uh, although Chilean describes it as cute not everyone agrees we have our team leader who actually describes it as a tank funny enough Uh, a tank in a way he's also right I guess because in the end the, the rover has to go to the moon
0: you need a tiny tank to survive all the conditions on the moon for sure because it brings a lot of challenges uh, that we don't have on Earth uh, with it, like the vacuum temperature.
1: Speaking of the temperature, um, it's you have to imagine really extreme temperatures.
3: It depends, of course, where on the Moon will be, but at the South Pole, in the coldest, coldest areas, where we probably won't go, but it can get up to minus 230 degrees Celsius.
0: 230 degrees. Next to the extreme temperature, there's also um, The dust, the moon dust, that is very, very uh, much of an obstacle. Because it sticks to the rover, it's very fine, and it's also electrostatically charged. Yeah, which,
1: that's what makes it stick to the rover. So that's the thing which is very difficult uh, to design for.
0: And to overcome.
1: And then, of course, we have things like micrometeorites, which might impact the moon and therefore our rover, which we have to take into account.
0: So it needs to be a tank.
1: Yeah, but so the question is, what will it actually do on the moon?
3: So the first mission is mainly a technology demonstration mission since um, the C-shaped legs is definitely a new technology on the moon. We want to show that that's possible and just see how it fares over there. Um, And besides that, we're testing the rest of the capabilities of the rover. So we're testing for the conditions here. um, But then we're going to see if it actually works on the moon as it should.
1: Besides technology demonstration, there's also um, another major goal.
3: Um, So the main goal is to walk at least 200 meters away from the lander and then uh, at the end probably walk back to the lander before the night comes so that we know where it ended up, basically.
1: But of course, we also have some scientific payload.
3: So the Lunar Zebra is... um, Designed to be a platform that can actually house different payloads. And on our first mission, we're going to be having a radiation sensor as our scientific payload. So we'll be taking measurements from the surface of the moon, which hasn't really been done before. At least not at the South Pole.
0: So those are all the objectives for the current mission. But the end goal that we eventually are going for is swarming. Very briefly said, that's like a lot of rovers that work together to achieve bigger tasks. But how do they do that?
1: That's for the next episode. So um, now we've described a moon mission that students are doing. But it's a bit ambitious for students, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting that we as students are trying to set up all of this uh, yeah. project.
1: Yeah, project. indeed. Yes. And um, the fact that we go to the moon is actually, again, one of those uh, eureka moments. An apple falling on the head of Chris once again. Um, but for this, we have to again go back to the 2010s, 2013, or maybe a bit later. Uh, Chris basically likes to
0: talk a lot about his research. He even finds this as... Part of his duty, that exactly. he has to do. Like He likes about to talk about it now, and he always has.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I like so much uh, movies. You, 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 if you Google if me, you see me talk everywhere. Uh, to, to, I, I've been talking to... Uh, to uh, school children in, in the age of uh, five and six years old about this, to, to elderly people and so on. Uh, because first, I think it's, the university should tell society what we are doing, yeah, so that's obliged. Uh, but also, it's very inspiring. It's
1: indeed inspiring. He, Chris even has this idea that engineers do only the first invention.
2: Uh, for engineers, I say there's always two inventions. Uh, one invention is by the engineer, so the engineer wants something, wants to be on the moon, wants to fly, or something like that, and then he makes an invention. And um, Most of the time the engineer doesn't really do, know what to do with the invention. Like the Wright brothers, they were not thinking of uh, Ryanair or something like that, or going on holiday to the Bahamas, they just wanted to fly. And then this system goes into society, and then society does the domestication, so it does the, the second invention, so it finds the application.
1: Yeah, and that's also what Chris did. He went into the society, in this case, into a classroom. Classroom, yes. So that's one of the talks he was giving.
0: And one of those children, an interesting thing to. Uh, interesting question about what he was presenting back then.
1: Yeah, so, so you have to imagine a classroom, as you all know, very noisy. But I'm sure Chris, in the way he talks, he must have uh, captivated the students. Absolutely. And that's
2: why probably this one little girl also asked. This little little child that tells me, well, robots eat sunlight. That, that is very inspiring because once you consider this, you think, hey, I have a species that can live where other people cannot, uh, or other species cannot live. Kind of a light switch turned on inside of his head and made him realize
1: that we could actually send these rovers to the moon. And it's from then on that lunar zebra, at least the idea of lunar zebra was...
0: Born. Born,
1: yes. Indeed.
0: And it only needed a small spark because, of course, Chris always wanted to go to space and do space projects.
1: But yeah, I find this fascinating and I think it fits very well into uh, Chris's philosophy about engineering, um, which I want to let you hear just now. And I think it's also a nice point to end that because it lets you think and reflect.
0: The start
2: of a moon mission. Exactly. We have to look for the second invention. So so the the engineers do the first invention. Uh, They should not be tricked into telling people what you could do with the invention because basically they don't know. You have to make sure that they are going into society, show what they are doing, and then listen very carefully to notice the second invention. So, whereas a scientist can be in an ivory tower, eh? they they, they go underground in uh, in CERN and so on, and they find a new particle that's fine for them, and they can write a paper about it and hit the news. But an engineer can't do that. An engineer cannot hide himself in a shed, make something, and then think that he does something that changes the world.
1: Thanks for listening. I hope that uh, what Chris said just now makes you think a little. So we want to, of
0: course, thank Chris and uh, Jillian for sitting at the table with us and talking about uh, a lot of interesting topics. Yeah. We discussed a lot of different things today. We hope to go into depth in the next few episodes about some specifics. In
1: particular, in the next episode, we will dive into the swarming concept and into this concept of what Chris calls Internet of Robots.